0: You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. AKA DJ Snuggle Muggle. You're a wizard, Zach. <laughs> you're listening to Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood or, you know, just movies you're nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively, let you know, are these movies worthy of your nostalgia or are they stinkers?
0: This week, we watched 2001's family fantasy adventure, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, also known as... Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone everywhere except the United States, India, and Pakistan.
1: Yeah, uh, that's because everybody else is a nerd. I'm calling you out, world.
0: <laughs> we don't use the word philosopher stateside, all right? Yeah. It's sorcerer. sorcerer. Please,
1: yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Harry Potterisms that are, like, if you're watching it. They're very clearly like words are changed for American audiences, both in the books and the movies. I'm getting ahead of myself. We have a fucking mountain to climb. This is the Everest of Nostalgia Be Damned.
0: I want to get this right out of the way. While I don't necessarily know the history of this film with regard to you and your family... I do know that both neither of us are experts on this franchise. Neither of us are in Well, the, hang on a second. Is this a twist? Are you telling no. me something here? This
1: book series Harry Potter was a series that like we read as a family. Like my mom would like huddle up the family and read Harry Potter out loud to us up until maybe like the 4th book and then we started reading it on our own. And so when this movie came out, Brandon, this was like movie event of the lifetime like people were my family included everybody was just so fucking excited when harry potter and the Sorcerer's stone finally hitting the big screen and uh well i don't consider myself like a huge fan of harry potter like i'm not f- f- scouring uh potter more <laughs> and you know reading fan fiction on tumblr especially after they took my harry potter porn away on tumblr what? uh yeah i know um it's just, it's not something that I'm an expert on, but I will admit, I read Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone before we watched this movie. I read it in a day.
0: Wow. Wait, I can't even. Honestly, dude, I don't even know who you are right now. You
1: say I don't do any prep for this podcast. I went ahead and read the fucking Book. What a fucking nerd, dude! I am so
0: yeah. fuming with Commence. anger right now. Thank God we don't record this show together anymore, because I would be slapping you.
1: Yeah, I will be posting my address on nbd.podbean.com for anybody who wants to come to my house and bash me for the nerd I am. <laughs> well, good. No, I am so glad that you actually like read
0: the book beforehand. You can add a whole other perspective to this, especially considering. Growing up, this was kind of a strange year for me. 2001 was when this hit theaters. I remember it for two reasons, two big reasons. Um, my parents were getting divorced this year. It was like right after 9-11. Great. So, yeah. 2001 was not a good year for me. <laughs> Things were happening in 2001 for little old Brandon. <laughs> Upon release of this film, our school actually went to the theaters what? to see it. Now, I had seen other kids, other nerds, reading the book <laughs> in school, and it becoming this like cultural phenomenon. It came out, I think, what the late late 90s and then really got popularized right in the year 2000 right around when this movie was in production
1: i need fact checking on it but i'm pretty sure the first book came out at around 1999
0: when I went to see this in theaters I had no reference to what was really going to happen other than that it was about a wizard and I kind of fell in love with this first movie in theaters I really enjoyed it and I think that really had to do with my classmates excitement for it and I just kind of fell into that whole craze I was kind of a a poser dude I'll admit it I was a Harry Potter poser
1: you had never read the book
0: It's not even worth mentioning. I can't read, so no. I have still, to this day, never read a single Harry Potter book. No way!
1: You've never read a Harry Potter book?
0: Never read a single Harry Potter book. And to go even further than that... Jesus
1: Christ, I forgot.
0: When my dad remarried, this uh, new family that I was introduced to, these two sisters, they were in love with Harry Potter. And as a... I mean, when I first met them, I was probably like 12 or 13, and so I was in the stage of being a a boy where you're just kind of a dick, and so Mm -hmm. I was purposefully against Harry Potter and Twilight and all that stuff that they wound up falling in love with because you know I was just a chody dude and to this day I apologize I apologize to you ladies I, you know I was a
1: terror again um by the way that book came around in 1997 which tells you the kind of cultural phenomenon. Uh, This cultural wave that hit the world that a book made in 1997 or published in 1997 gets turned around to a film by 2001, setting off a crazy big franchise. But I will uh, tell you this. My family, we've got like multiple sets of the series. I think we've got two sets of the series um, because they were just that was the thing. We were reading the books. Um, but I have since turned on Harry Potter a little bit and maybe it's because, uh, I find the fans a little annoying. Sorry for anybody <laughs> listening who are massive Harry Potter fans. You know, she's not a great author in my eye, JK Rowling, and I'll get to why. And I, uh, you know, people will jump down my throat for it. But the reality is that these were kids books is, you know, the first, like first, Three of these books were made for children. And I think that's going to be a thing that we have to tackle in this podcast is, is this a kid's movie? Because obviously by the time you get to like the seventh one, people are dying left and right. Uh, there's Jesus allegories. But this first one's kind of like a weird, like almost Hardy Boys adventure.
0: It's a series that I think grew up with its audiences. You know, it got more mature as it went along. Yeah. And these first, I saw the first four movies I remember in theaters and And I was kind of into them, and then around this time is when I kind of turned on it. And then, I guess unlike you, I've kind of come around to them in my later years where I've actually watched the last... I never saw the last three films in the series until literally, like, I think a year or two ago. I just had never bothered to finish them. And I finally did, and, like... Rewatching this movie it's interesting to see kind of where
1: well that's and that's another thing with jk rowling is noted for being very contradictory of herself and kind of making things up as she goes along in terms of the lore of harry potter and you can kind of get that sense when you're reading the books and watching these movies because by the time this third book comes around and the third movie there's a turn in both of them because it starts to get dark and it starts to get really angsty and teenagery, and becomes a little bit more about these kids growing up and overcoming obstacles. Whereas before, like you, like I said, it was just kind of like this whimsical like wizard adventure.
0: Yeah. Uh, the filmmaking fan in me appreciated kind of the novelty of watching these actors grow up over time. It's basically like a wizard boyhood, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, they shot these movies over a series of years, and the actors mature, the the, the content matures, and by the end of it, you really do have, like, a, a huge character arc for all of these people that you kind of either fall in love with or wind up hating. Or I think, luckily, for our audience, we don't have to worry about the baggage that comes along after this. We're solely just dedicating our time this hour to the first one. Yes. We don't need to get into Thank any maybe, of the of the blur or anything back. And I'm going to keep the, the behind-the-scenes basics very brief because we got a lot to get into.
1: Because they do not leave shit out in this movie. Oh, really? So the, do
0: they use just about everything, huh? Uh,
1: Brandon, the, the reason this is like a... How long is this movie? Like <laughs> It's like two hours and 20-something minutes, yeah. 45 minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's because... Just the writing style of this book, and I I confirmed it after I read it, nothing is left out in this first movie. It's almost like fan service, and well, it's partly fan service, and part of it is also J.K. Rowling in her writing ties everything in. The most minuscule, seemingly absurd bullshit that goes into these books comes back later in the book so it's really hard as a screenwriter I would imagine to skip over some of these details to shorten this movie because it, it almost everything is plot crucial
0: this first one was actually written I think by Steve cloves I think she had a hand in writing it but she didn't start writing the actual screenplays I think till later on because she does do the last couple right I think or the last few they, they gave her
1: I have no idea a lot more
0: creative control I, I either way I do know that she's penned those fantastic beasts and where to find them ones did you ever see those Yeah,
1: i saw the first one didn't really like it so i skipped out on the second one and from the reviews i'm reading glad i did
0: yeah well th- the first installment in the wildly successful film franchise was directed by chris columbus yes the founder of america
1: <laughs> why yeah that, that's it
0: i'll be here all week folks he also directed former nostalgia be damned episode home alone 2 dude lost in new york yep as well as adventures in babysitting the original home Malone, Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months Stepmom, Bicentennial Man, Harry Potter 2, that's the Chamber of Secrets, Rent, I Love You, Beth Cooper, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief,
1: what a fucking title that one is, and most recently, pixels wow okay so fucking pixels jesus christ stay tuned right (laughs)
0: thankfully it came out too late for us my friend
1: yeah very nostalgic about that Uh,
0: so harry potter one has a 7.6 on imdb and an 81 percent on rotten tomatoes certified fresh at the time of release, it was actually the second highest grossing film of all time. It was the number one film in 2001, beating such other Nostalgia Be Damned reviewed classics as Shrek, Planet of the Apes, The Fast and the Furious, and A Knight's Tale.
1: Yeah, and like anybody was surprised by
0: those numbers. <laughs> it was a monster. It earned, yeah, a whopping $317 million stateside and $975 million worldwide, making it the second highest grossing entry in its series, both internationally and domestically, only topped by Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. So the final installment and the first installment, those two made the most. As everyone knows, it spawned seven movie sequels. Its final chapter was split into two parts. They were released from 2002 to 2011, and overall the series has earned $7.7 billion dollars, not including the spinoffs, the Fantastic
1: Beasts bullshit. Holy fuck. I mean, let's think about that for a second. A $7.7 billion franchise. And you wonder why Warner
0: Brothers, you know, they jumped at the opportunity for the film rights. Actually, they, they paid only a million, one point six five million $1.65 million for the rights for the first four books back in 1999. And uh, one of... J.K. Rowling's stipulations was that she insisted if she were to sell the script that the entire cast had to be British and Irish and that the film was to be shot in the U.K., uh, the government was actually so happy to have the production and the money <laughs> that they agreed to change some child labor laws so that the kids could act a little longer in the week and shit. Um, and Rowling also got the opportunity to handpick a few actors. She handpicked uh, Robbie Coltrane, Maggie Smith, and Alan Rickman for their roles. What? Rob Reiner, Terry Gilliam, Peter Weir, M. Night Shyamalan, and Spielberg were considered to direct. Now, Steven Spielberg actually wanted to make it an animated series with Haley Joel Osment voicing
1: Harry Potter. <laughs> (laughs) Could you imagine, dude? Oh, my God. We dodged a bullet on that one. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Oh, Spielberg.
0: And uh, lastly, the film received three Academy Award nominations for Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score by the hugely talented John Williams. I love this score. It's what starts off this movie. And that theme, which originally was supposed to be, I think it's called Hedwigs theme or something that doom doom do 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 originally only supposed to be used in like one or two parts of the movie and I guess producers and audiences test screenings liked it so much that they just used it as like the theme of the series and it's become one of the most iconic themes of the past 20 years
1: absolutely this I mean we'll get into what the strengths and weaknesses of this film is but I can just say it right off the bat the biggest strength of this movie is the score it is iconic like John Williams obviously knocks it out of the park in pretty much everything he does. But this, I mean, this probably tops in at one of his top three best scores of all time, right? I would say
0: yes. I love this goddamn, especially that theme, man. And there's parts towards the end, the climax, where that, that score, yeah, man, he drives it home. It's it's intense.
1: Yeah, it is. It I mean, it drives a lot of the emotion in this movie.
0: So we open up, I think it's the early 80s, if I'm not mistaken we open a priv- 90s dude
1: oh no yeah 80s we open right it's the, yes. the
0: early 80s yeah yeah because because it, it opens on privet drive um that instant recognizable theme Dumbledore McGonagall she starts off as a cat that's uh Maggie Smith and then Dumbledore gets recast right because here he dies it's originally portrayed by Richard Harris and he died after the second one I think right or third
1: yeah he makes it into the second one and then by the third uh a new Dumbledore takes over okay
0: Hagrid, this big, giant guy, I like the way they they always shoot him because it's similar to Lord of the Rings style where he's always in a miniature set and he's always big, giant Robbie Coltrane. I li- He's a really mm-hmm. well-cast character, I think. And Hagrid, as a kid, was my favorite character.
1: I gotta say this, and, you know, we'll get into the child actors later, but I was thinking about all the adults cast in this movie. The casting in this is absurdly good. I think everybody... I mean, obviously, Alan Rickman... This was probably, and it's strange to say this, his most iconic role before he died. Everybody else in this is just cast perfectly.
0: And if you remember, we actually talked about how Tim Roth was originally supposed to take the role of Professor Snape from Alan Rickman, but he chose Planet of the Apes instead.
1: Great choice. <laughs>
0: So Hagrid arrives on this flying motorcycle with baby HP, little baby Harry Potter. He's got a scar on his forehead and everyone keeps chatting like, oh, this guy, he's fucking too famous for his own good. We can't let anyone talk to him because he'll have a terrible life. So better off leaving him with this abusive family. So they just leave him middle of the night on a doorstep. And we cut to 10 years later. So now
1: we're in the early nineties and that boy is now sleeping under the stairs in a closet to say that his Adoptive family is abusive, I think, is kind of like understating the fact he lives in a goddamn cupboard underneath the stairwell.
0: Yeah, he's a child called it. Like, they are terrors. Yeah. He's living with his only living relative, supposedly, the Dursleys. (laughs) They're awful. The mom is terrible banging on the door. The fat little, what, Dudley, who I recognize later on from Ballad of Buster Scruggs, (laughs) that armless, legless character, right? That's crazy. Yes.
1: Oh my god. Oh, thank you. That was driving me crazy. I didn't even bother looking it up but but yeah that kid i mean that kid grows up to be one of the best parts of a coen brothers movie He does,
0: so good on him. But here, he is an insufferable little shit. This is what I imagine Chris Christie was like as a kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's playing it perfectly. Honestly, kind of wish this kid was in this movie a little bit more because I think he's playing the role just exactly how he needs
0: to. This whole family, just awful people. You immediately hate all of them. Petunia and uh, Vernon Vernon. Dursley. (laughs) Yeah, well, and and Dudley's pissed off because he's only getting 36 presents for his birthday. Last year, you get me? 37 Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they go to a zoo and harry potter winds up chatting with a snake (laughs) makes the glass of this zoo enclosure disappear at this point we realize all right so something's definitely special about the kid and i wonder what people who had never who never have any inclination of what harry potter is kind of similar to me back in the day like i was really like holy shit what the fuck man wizards talking to snakes
1: i'm so glad you brought this up and i'm actually glad to hear that you have never read the books before you saw this movie because i was thinking about it watching this movie for the two hours and 700 minutes that it was <laughs> this movie does not take its time to explain things to you it, it is like straight up you have to have read the books to fully understand it I, i'm not saying you have to like they do explain a couple things but They just, like, they assume you're going into Harry Potter having read Harry Potter, and they do not slow down for you.
0: They don't, but what I will say is it reminded me of, like, the first times I watched Star Wars or, like, The Wizard of Oz. Stuff with so much lore, and they just expect you to roll with it, and it's, it's truly wondrous and magical, like, the first time... You are you experience this world, especially having not read the novels. I'm sure having you know knowing what you're expecting, it's a different sort of experience, and you're looking for all the little Easter eggs and how they portray this scene and that scene. But mm-hmm. to the casual moviegoer, I think this is as dense a mythology as you can get in the fantasy genre. Yeah,
1: and it's kind of a tall order on this first movie because I mean. You're not really fully expecting anything, but you are pretty much going in with the idea that you're about to make at least seven of these and people and you're trying to keep people to stay along. So how do you balance that act of fan service for the people who have read it, but also keeping a casual moviegoer invested for another six movies?
0: Yeah, I think what helps is the the, fa- the fact of the matter is this movie looks gorgeous i think from its art direction to its cinematography it's fantastic it has some wonky you know early cgi 2000 cgi effects Ooh,
1: the cgi
0: but i think when it sticks to the props and the puppets and you know just the the wondrous set design it, it really knocks it out of the park
1: yeah i i agree the sets are beautiful the art design's beautiful I, re- I really have to hammer home that CGI, though, Brandon, It's There are points where I had to pause it. It's bad CGI. <laughs> so the next
0: day, Harry begins getting letters from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry mm-hmm. uh, via Owl. All these owls keep continuing to uh, basically harass this family, straw dog this family with letters. Uh, of acceptance, Harry's been accepted to this wizard school, and for whatever reason, and we don't quite know at first, the Dursleys seem to know what the letters are, or at least say without ever opening them. They just continue to rip them apart and tell him that he's never going to read the letters, and all this shit's bullshit, magic's not real.
1: Yeah, and finally, like, the letters keep coming to the point where they flood the entire fucking house with letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Harry can't grab Harry can't grab one letter quickly enough to outrun his fat uncle. <laughs> you fucking idiot, Harry. Maybe you shouldn't go to school.
0: Yeah, and this drives Vernon so mad, like literally crazy that he's like, "Fuck it, we're leaving. We're packing up. We're going to an island in the middle of the ocean." And there they are. Yeah. And like it's like a storm happening outside. They're in a lighthouse in the middle of the ocean somewhere. And in comes Hagrid.
1: Yeah, and uh, this sets off one of the most iconic scenes in early 2000s movie history, I would assume, uh, the Euro wizard, Harry, he finally explains to Harry, like, yeah, you ever notice weird things happen to you? Like, nah, I don't know. I talked to a snake the other day. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty weird, I guess. Um, yeah, (laughs) Harry's a fucking wizard dude. And the Dursleys knew all along, but they are typical white people, very stuck up, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they hate people different than them. So, so they were like, Yeah, we were never gonna tell you, and you're definitely not going to that fucking school.
0: Petunia's sister, Lily, that's Harry's mom, James is his dad, and she told them him rather that they died in a car crash. So he's been living under the delusion that he's just some, you know, car crash orphan. Turns out he's the
1: boy who lived, right? He's some super fucking celebrity in this wizard world. And he's never even heard of it. And this uh rightly pisses off Hagrid because he realizes, oh shit, these people are abusive.
0: So this eight foot tall bearded giant steals this young English boy and takes him away, whisks him away to London.
1: Yeah, and uh you know any normal guardian would probably give a shit about this but they're abusive people so whatever let the strange man take your nephew away well that's the thing is like why didn't they
0: just get if they hate this kid so much why not get rid of him in the first place the first opportunity to give this fucker away why why are they so hellbent on making sure i guess they want a slave is that what it is because they force him to cook and clean
1: well no they just want to damp out any of the magic shit because they're they don't understand it, and they don't want it, so their hope was, I guess, that he just wouldn't learn magic and just, like, they could live their lives as a normal person and also have a slave. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I guess that makes sense in a weird, sick way, but we get ourselves a little school shopping montage. I like this. Oh, do we ever, and... Um, what are are your thoughts on this set piece?
0: So, what, they they first go to the bank, right? Because he needs some cheddar to buy the stuff with. And there's all these goblins that run the bank. I like this. I like the makeup, especially on... So, this is Vern Troyer actually as this head goblin guy. But then, in a twist of fate, they
1: redub his voice with Warwick Davis, dude. It's a battle of the little actors. How dare he? Warwick Davis... Uh, plays like several thousand people throughout this entire film <laughs> franchise. Yeah, why can't they let Vern Troyer at least voice the one he plays? Come on, I I have no idea, man. So yeah, they run into a few of the professors
0: there. One of them's the Defense Against the Dark Arts guy. He's what McGon? No, not McGonagall. I'll never get these names. McGillicuddy Quirrell. Quirrel. Thank you.
1: Yep, McGillicuddy Quirrell. What are you doing, blasting off first names in this bitch? Just uh, stick the last names. No, Doctor
0: McGillicuddy's that that drink is that alcohol is what I was thinking of. I do love that. Yeah, that goes down smooth. Harry starts getting a little pissed because everyone is recognizing him, but Hagrid refuses to tell him what's what. So they travel into this hidden magic world within... London it's kind of cool it's I can't tell I mean it's just you know it's something you got to just accept there's a fucking hidden world within the streets of London
1: yeah I mean in the books they go into like oh yeah they can't like the muggles can't see it and we it's it's hidden and it's you know I don't know it's I wondered if the if the movie would have benefited from
0: just one shot of like when they're later on running into the, you know, platform three quarters, three, nine
1: and three quarters,
0: if they were like running into that, and there was just like someone who like noticed them or or... because it seems like all the humans just ignore it. And I I could also understand that if that's the route they go with. But maybe just like a a line of dialogue that says, Oh, don't worry, they can't see or they're never paying attention or this or that. Because they never address it. Yeah,
1: in the book, it is addressed because it they say like, when they go into that pub that leads them to the shopping alley, uh, they're like, yeah, they can't really see the pub right like it's to them it just looks like a wall and the same thing with the with the thing with the platform is that like they're just not really paying attention they're all busy and like you just do it so nonchalantly and its magic and shut up.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Diagon Alley, right? That's clever. Yes. Inside the bank, Harry is rich AF because his parents left him a shit ton of gold. So they go and collect some of that so he can buy some shit for school. Hagrid also winds up going to the secret vault and taking out something super mysterious that we don't know uh, what's going down. But that is important. We'll chat on that later.
1: We sure will. And it's
0: all a request of Dumbledore, right? That's that's kind of the important thing. Dumbledore yeah. needs whatever he's grabbing. yeah
1: he's been at, haggard's been asked to grab it and harry also grabs his wand uh played by oh what is what is the guy's name Ollivander uh, um, who's the actor's list. name do you know
0: oh it's john hurt that's
1: right yeah it's john hurt And again, just more actors who I wish had been, like, had a heavier role in this because John Cleese is in this movie at 1.2. He gets two lines. (laughs) Bullshit. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Harry goes in and gets his wand. Uh, He gets a bunch of shitty wands. And then finally he gets a wand and Ollivander hints that his wand is kind of shared with an identical wand. Uh... By the person who gave him that scar, and that's about as vague as he'll get. That is a detail that comes in, like, in the seventh movie. It, it means fucking nothing. <laughs> oh, really? That means <laughs> nothing for the next, like, four films. <laughs> so,
0: basically, we're, we're led to believe it's, it's evil Adidas or evil Nike. It's the same brand of wand as he who shall not be named the bad guy. Well, no...
1: S- so I guess uh, I hate how much of a nerd I come off in this episode, but all the wands keep going. Have a core in them whether it's like, you know, parts Ugh. parts of an animal and his happens to be like a phoenix feather and the same phoenix that donated a feather into his wand donated one more that was in Voldemort's fuck me, dude.
0: <laughs> dude, I want to bash you so fucking hard right now. I want
1: to bash myself. I hate this. <laughs> This is the last this is the last time we ever do something like this <laughs>
0: So Hagrid bounces. Harry needs to catch the train to Hogwarts on platform nine and three quarters. Luckily, there's a family on their way there now. So he decides to follow him. These being the Weasleys. They run through this brick wall because this is also Ron's first time at Hogwarts himself. This seems like it's that poor family in school that you always knew that had generation after generation. There's like eight kids in the family that just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The O'Doyle rules from Billy Madison. Basically, Ron. Weasley is Peter yeah. Doyle of, of Hogwarts.
1: Yeah. And, uh, they tell Harry, like, yeah, you just run through the fucking brick. And he does. And that's the end of the scene. But the little girl there, Ginny, right? Am I led to believe that that's, gonna, that's his wife someday,
0: right? The one who tells him good luck? That is...
1: Damn. That is his... Yeah, that's his future wife and girlfriend in that order. I
0: just imagine, like, how lucky they were to cast these people. Like, I, I know there was a huge search for the original Harry Potter, and it took them forever to find the kid. But, like, that's... that's That's lightning in a bottle to find all these characters to grow up to be the actors they become and deliver the performances they do. I
1: can't even imagine what casting is like because especially with like the core three, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, like you have to get these kids who are going to... I mean essentially you're locking them in for a good portion of their life pretty much their entire childhood. I mean how old were they when they finished these films like 25 72 Jesus they were 72 years old when they finished Harry Potter. Yeah. Um but like but it's not just like just those 3 though. They lock in pretty much every kid in this movie. Like no one changes.
0: Yeah, and most of the adult actors too.
1: Yeah, I mean the only adult actors who change are the ones who die like on it like the one Dumbledore
0: Yeah no it's sad but true And then
1: they change up Warwick Davis's makeup a couple times in in one of his characters but it's it's just fascinating like you said as a to see just like this series grow and progress and just think of the stress it must have been to cast these fucking movies
0: so we're on the train to hogwarts and ron weasley he decides to befriend harry there's no other uh, places for him to sit so he sits and chats and harry is living large at this point he's got a lot of dough to throw around and he buys up the whole fucking candy cart this was pretty significant in my life. Tell me, how many times did you eat any of these uh, fucking little treats that you saw in this cart? The the beans, dude, the every flavored beans.
1: Yeah, the Birdie Bots beans were the only ones that I ever sup come out of this one that I ate personally. And uh, I mean, they were just jelly beans, and they'd be like ridiculous flavors. But people always had to like add. Like the earwax one or the or the booger flavor one, and they were always like, oh yeah, <laughs> they were always gross, just like intentionally gross. It, I like, I kind of liked this when it came out. Like it, it's just sort of like a fun little like, oh yeah, man, because the, these are snacks that we could make, you know, like it's sort of that novelty thing. Like maybe not chocolate frogs, obviously, but like Birdie Bot's every flavored beans. Like that's an easy thing to do, and like we. As a generation, millennials would absolutely go for that kind of shit.
0: I got these as stocking stuffers for several years, and I'd always try to eat the gross ones. It was like a weird endurance test, like, ooh, this tastes like fart, let me eat it.
1: Yep, and that's exactly mine. They were always stocking stuffers, and you always tried the gross ones first, because if you didn't, you're a nerd. Absolutely.
0: Well, speaking of nerds, Hermione Granger. Ooh. She bursts in, basically telling Ron he sucks at magic and at life. (laughs) And she's (laughs) right. Yeah, let's get this out of the way. One, she's absolutely right. But two, she comes off as kind of like, you know, a know-it-all. And her arc, I guess, is that she becomes...
1: A little more chill
0: by the end of it right
1: i guess yeah i mean it's just like she she humbles herself a little bit like she and she just becomes a little less bossy uh, it, like there's nothing redeemable about this character for the first half of this movie she's just annoying <laughs> i was gonna say i didn't want to come off as being
0: insensitive but she's kind of a
1: dick this first half of the movie <laughs> no she is well I, this whole Core three of kids I've argued for centuries are just dicks, and I'll explain why later. Okay, all right. Well,
0: they arrive, and it's basically you have to take a boat to get to the actual castle itself, Hogwarts. And I gotta say, man, this is an iconic image. The music swelling. I love the way this looks Mm -hmm. because even though it's like you know a keyed background or however they do it, CGI, like the castle, the, the the actual design of it is awesome dude and the lights on the rowboats it's it's a solid scene
1: yeah i mean and the the look of this castle changes a little bit throughout these films but this is like always the one that you think of right when they're coming across with the fog clearing and the the boats on the way in the dark it is such a cool shot and i god i can remember being in the theater the first time i like that shot happened and it's like it's it's hard to shake, man. It it makes you feel a little goosebumpy. So the kids are to be
0: separated into different classrooms or houses. It's basically like homeroom. It's wizard
1: homeroom. It's boarding school. Yeah,
0: and we get a few more of our characters. We get Draco and his goons, who actually don't say a single word in this whole movie, which I thought was kind of funny. Thank God, aren't they characters later on? Crab and Goyle or some shit. Goyle. Yeah,
1: know. well, they don't. I think these are these are actually two child actors that might change throughout this series, but. Uh, They don't really say anything in the
0: books either. Well, Draco Malfoy, he's rich shit, dude. He's basically a blonde Christian Bale, an American psycho.
1: (laughs) I mean, let's get this out of the way. This kid, if if you are a fan of these books and these movies, this kid's a Nazi. He's always talking about how, like, poor families or mixed-blood families, mixed-race families are shitty and below him. He's a Nazi. But if
0: you're, you know, looking at this from a listener of Nostalgia Be Damned, he's also a classic late-90s bully.
1: Whole... My god, is he
0: ever? All of the, like, he checks all of the boxes, man. He's rich and he w- originally wants Harry to join his side cuz Harry is a celebrity, but and he wants him to stop hanging with
1: trash like Ron. He hangs out with two silent bigger kids <laughs> like <it. laughs> Who are the muscle of his little gang and yeah, like man? He awesome. sniggers at the dumbest stuff and tries to get him in trouble. He's great. I, you know what? I'll say it. I love Draco. He's, uh, he's too. fantastic. Besides <laughs> the fact that he's, that he's a guy. Nazi.
0: Exactly. That is a turnoff. A turnoff indeed. But uh we get a bit of this uh sorting ceremony. It's a hat, uh you know, they put it on the person and it decides which house they should go in based on their personality and their experiences. Luckily the screenwriters decide, you know, what let's just get the first 4 of our lead characters in and out and we don't have to talk about anybody else. So it's it's them in order. There's no yeah. alphabetical order or anything. It's just like Hermione, Draco, Harry. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, nice." Ron? Yeah. Yeah. But basically Hermione, you know, Harry and Ron get Gryffindor, Draco gets Slytherin. Slytherin is the kind of evil house, basically. That's what he who shall not be named belonged to or was, was part of.
1: Yeah, if you believe Ron, there's not a single wizard who went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. <laughs>
0: What a bad track record. I'd be upset if I got Slytherin, too. Everyone else is, like, cheering. When Draco gets it, he's like, fuck yeah.
1: Right? I'd be a little pissed. How, did the, how does the faculty not, like, step up and be, be like, wait, what's going on in this fucking house? What are you kids up to? <laughs> I always see him playing with matches and looking at porn. Like, I I can't imagine if we had a school anywhere in this country where it's like, oh, yeah, this school produces the most felons per capita. Like, we'd (laughs) shut that school down. We'd investigate it. (laughs)
0: We absolutely would, man. I don't know. Bush is still president at this time, so who knows what's getting
1: done? See something, say something.
0: <laughs> it's exactly. They start feasting after that, which always excited me as a kid to see this giant banquet table filled with all the best foods. Until yeah, oh my God. I see star, I see fucking Monty Python ghosts
1: shoot out of them. I don't want ghosts in my food, dude. No, but I do want Monty Python in my Harry Potter. Like I want, my, like I want more of them. Yeah, get John Cleese call him up and fucking call up Eric Idle. Like, get them all in there. They might as well have, but they only got John
0: Cleese, and like you said, he's sparingly used, only a couple lines, but get him out of my wings. You know what I mean? I don't want him in my wings.
1: I'd eat wings with John Cleese. Are you fucking kidding me? Faulty towers, dude?
0: (laughs) Dude, let's get this out of the way right now. Living in Hogwarts, going to school here, is a fucking nightmare. You leave, yes. you try to walk around anywhere, the stairs are moving,
1: are fucking with you, they're moving all the time. I would get lost every day that's what they they say that in the books they're like the first couple of days we kept be- they kept being late to class cuz like doors would change well yeah all the doors are hidden behind paintings the
0: paintings are moving so i can't jerk off in front of photos anymore
1: some of them need passwords like owls are throwing mail at you yeah i i mean it is like kind of a living hell it is boot camp but yeah like ron and harry i too would get lost
0: the first day of class they are they are astoundingly late and they're like oh thank god no one you know caught us mrs McGonagall didn't catch us what the fuck? She's a cat. She turns into a cat. She was a cat, turns into a person. Right. Good God. And then we are we finally see or are introduced, you know, properly to Professor Snape. We've seen him a couple of times before, but it's Alan Rickman, and he is, I mean, born to play this character. What a what a com- like this is a command performance, like one of those actors matching the characters so perfectly. You're
1: kind of like in a daze watching this movie just because it's like, oh yeah, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Then Alan Rickman comes in and just starts spewing lines and you're like your attention is snapped you're like holy fuck he you're right he (laughs) commands the screen he commands your attention um i think he's kind of doing the best he can in this movie with the lines because his like his pacing's a little weird but i think it's honestly just because the lines are like kind of strange
0: I agree it's I I agree the dialogue isn't necessarily up to his (laughs) standard up to his bar because he is really knocking out of the park
1: and it's honestly like I think this scene is pretty much a verbatim from the book which is weird
0: oh okay okay because yeah he's writing down notes and Snape's just grilling into him like oh do you know this maybe pay the fuck attention at no point Harry's like I was actually writing what you were saying down
1: it's not mentioned (laughs) in this movie either that uh Snape and Harry's dad were like enemies... Like, Harry's dad was Snape's 90s bully. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. So, it, it like, to a casual observer, it just kind of looks like he hates him for no fucking reason in this movie. Well, that's what's crazy, is if you watch Alan Rickman's performance,
0: and from what I can remember, through all of these earlier movies, knowing what you do at the end, it still holds up. Like, you can watch it with knowing mm-hmm. his, his tics and his character traits and how he, how he is actually acting or behaving. It all checks out by the end, which is
1: impressive. <laughs> Look, man, he buys into the character and he's an amazing actor uh, it's it was it's too bad that he's gone now but he uh, he owned this role and he deserved all the praise that he got heaped for this that he did and uh, so this movie it's, it's kind of like like
0: a school movie and like a camp movie and a sports movie all rolled up into one. Holy it's just fuck. basically kind of learning what the school is and how how what it is like to be a wizard. So then we get a bit of uh flying lessons on the broomsticks. You mount it, grip it tight. You don't want to slide off the end.
1: This is a mm <laughs>
0: That was a line of dialogue. I wrote it down.
1: This is where we get really bad CGI in this, though, because at one point Neville is, like, flying around and he gets caught on, like, a statue or something. And if you pause it in this scene... (laughs) It is the worst cartoon I think I've ever seen. It is rough. It's gross. Yeah, Yeah, like
0: Gumby, a ragdoll body.
1: (laughs) Not a fan. And, like, they don't really do a good job because it's bright daylight. We've talked about this before how, like, the way you hide a lot of puppets in CGI is, like, in the dark, kind of, or, like, you know, during a rainstorm or something. This is, like, a very bright, not cloudy day. And the cartoon just sticks out so bad in this scene.
0: Yeah, and we get some more when they play the actual game of Quidditch later, but I'll just say this. I think whenever they do the the, the, the live-action actor on the broom in front of a green screen, it's not bad. Like, it's pretty good keying, no. and it's bright enough to make it look realistic. It's when they go CGI full body that, yeah, it does not hold up.
1: Well, I realize they don't use any stunt doubles in this movie. Like, everything, every stunt that's done in this movie is pretty much much cgi they don't bother with practical effect in this
0: true yeah or it's just the actor doing kind of a you know a smaller stunt
1: yeah exactly like him falling backwards or something but
0: yeah like neville that. you know, a little nerdy character who becomes later on important he starts flying away like a fucking idiot ends up breaking his wrist and draco challenges harry to fly after he throws neville's fucking stupid little toy away. Turns out Harry's a Bay A amp on a broom. He gets spotted by Professor McGonagall, who, I guess for the two minutes she's seen him on a broom, is convinced, like, he needs to be the new Seeker, the new Gryffindor Seeker.
1: Ooh, Gryffindor Seeker, dude. Uh, and that's
0: basically the equivalent of, like, the football quarterback, right? I guess in this world, he's, uh, he's like, top
1: dog, kind of? There's, n- there's like no sports equivalent that I can think of what He is. He's important for sure. Um I yeah, I don't know. This sport is crazy. And what's even crazier, I don't know how much you know about this, Brandon. The it has become a real sport. There are people who go around with brooms underneath themselves and play this sport on the ground.
0: Yuck, dude.
1: Not a fan. They've they've had they've had World Cups. They like I know the college (laughs) like they have like a huge college tournament and like to for the The little snitch—they have like a cross country runner running around with flags from flag football, and like you have to chase them down and grab it. It's insane how how much people bought into this.
0: The game is, yeah, played in the air it, it, with sentient balls that are jumping all around and you got to throw one through the hoop and all. What? Regardless, it's just, you know, a mystical made-up sport that he becomes super badass at. Quidditch.
1: Not made up anymore now, dude. Not made up anymore.
0: Don't say that. That just makes <laughs> me sad. <laughs> oh. but they wind up wandering onto the third floor, an area that is off limits in the school. Well, not supposed to be there. They find a giant three-headed dog, which is guarding some sort of trapdoor.
1: What could it be, dude?
0: Uh, Maybe the Philosopher's Stone, but not in America. We've
1: also skimmed over that uh, at one point it was read in the paper that the bank got broken into and it was supposed to be unbreakable into-ish.
0: That's right. Yeah, they pull a point break and someone broke into the vault that had the secret stone or secret item, but Turns out Hagrid had cleared that vault out earlier, so nothing was taken. Correct. But this was my one of my favorite scenes as a kid, the floating Halloween jack-o'-lanterns. I love the way this looks. It's, you know, at this fall banquet. Turns out Hermione isn't around because she's too busy crying over being softcore bullied by Ron earlier. She oh, yeah. She overheard him yeah. talking some shit. And she turns into the, the waterworks, you know what I mean? To be fair, Ron's a prick. Ron is a prick. He's like, oh, she has to be so smart because she doesn't have any fucking friends. Yeah,
1: and uh, that would make me cry. I know it's made you cry because I've made you cry the same exact way before. Multiple so, times. So, uh, yeah, well, you know what? Learn how to read and maybe you'll grab some friends. Anywells, Quero runs in during the, be- uh, during the banquet and yells that there's a troll in the dungeon. Okay. Classic trailer line. Yep, classic trailer line, and uh, seemingly, like, kind of out of nowhere in this movie, but Harry and Ron, as everybody's evacuating, this is a dangerous school after all, they uh, <laughs> they realize Hermione's doesn't know about the troll. They find her in the bathroom. The troll is in there, and he's attacking her, dude. <laughs> Not a fan of this troll, man. Yuck. My God, is he ever. So... So is Harry Potter when he jumps on top of the troll. It just becomes a blob. More Gumby body. It becomes a blob Gumby body CGI combo. Ron uh, actually does magic. He's, you know, he's like one of two people in this movie who actually do magic. Harry Potter doesn't perform a single spell in this movie. That's right. He
0: doesn't do much, honestly, with in terms of magic. He, yeah.
1: And you know what, Harry Potter fans? He doesn't in the book either. Doesn't cast a single fucking spell in the first book. Wow. Holy shit.
0: That kind of yeah. blows my mind.
1: This is a magic franchise so far in part one with very little magic. <sighs> That's intense. Ron ends up clubbing the fucking troll half to death with its own club using magic and, uh, they're fucking rewarded because of course they are. Hermione
0: does this weird thing where she claims like to have gone looking for the troll, despite really not having to. I don't know why she just doesn't say I was in the bathroom upset and a fucking troll wandered in. I don't know why she has to take the blame for these two idiots.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just to like show that she like, she can break the rules, dude. She knows what the fuck's up.
0: Oh, that's absolutely. She was trying to, you know, get in with the bros, but I'm just saying it's, it's not needed. <laughs> they, they saved her and like, you know, no yeah. not at all.
1: Like you, yeah. Yeah, she's trying too hard. Exactly. God, Hermione, take it down a notch. But the next day... Well, let's, let's ease off because she turns into Emma Watson.
0: Thankfully. Thankfully. Uh, I feel weird for saying that. Harry's first Quidditch match, though, is uh, Gryffindor versus Slytherin. It's the next day, and Harry gets a new dope-ass broom. He does
1: get a broom. I love
0: how the commentators, by the way, are are describing how many points are worth and how the game works just seconds before it actually starts. It'd be like, you know, someone uh, commentating on football being like, a touchdown is actually worth six points. And if you score the... (laughs) you know,
1: This movie is moving at breakneck speed, and while we have, like, a chapter in the book to discuss what Quidditch is, we don't have time in this movie because we we still got, like, an hour left in this movie at this point.
0: Yeah, and this, this scene goes on a little too long. It's, like, 15 or 20 minutes, really, of just the game. It's them Playing, and I guess you need this to kind of get the rules and whatnot to set up future installments and stuff. So I'm fine with it. It's just you know, you barely see it in future installments. Also, true. I think this is the move. Do you think it's played the most here? Well, it's a a big part of number four, too, from what I remember, right? Uh,
1: no, they like not at all actually because they go like it's a plot point where they're going to like the World Cup final, but. I remember being super pissed off in that movie because I was expecting, like, this awesome Quidditch scene, and it cuts right when the game starts. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it did suck. I actually remember being very pissed off at that film.
0: Eventually, what, yeah, Harry's broom gets jinxed, right? Someone's put a curse on it, then the uh, Harry, uh, rather, Ron and Hermione believe it's Snape doing this, so she sets his cape on fire. Harry's able to regain control of the broom, and he catches the snitch, is that what it's called, right?
1: Yeah, he catches... Catches the snitch and uh, they win the game. Everybody's super excited. He's a fucking hero, yeah. Everybody's amped on Harry Potter, and uh, we also failed to mention that Snape has like a cut on his leg from when the, during the night of the troll attack. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione are starting to piece things together. They're like, he must have gotten that cut from the three-legged or three-headed dog, and now he's trying to kill Harry. Something's up with Snape. And this is where I think these kids are dicks, because they just, like, assume that the mean teacher is evil. Like, maybe he's just grumpy. Maybe he's going through a lot. Maybe he's going through a divorce. Maybe his job's on the line if he doesn't turn out A students this year. Give the guy a fucking break. No,
0: it's gotta be Snape. So they go chat with Hagrid. He's
1: he's a dick. He's gotta be evil.
0: That's right. And it turns out the dog is actually named Fluffy, and belongs to Hagrid. He wound up winning it earlier, or getting it from some Irish dude, and I love how she, I don't know if this is the case in the book, but whenever she wants to just skip over some sort of exposition scene in which the kids find out certain bits of information she just has Hagrid accidentally says it. Hagrid <laughs> yeah, just blurts like, it out lets yeah. a name slip Nicholas Flamel it happens at least four times in this it movie. It
1: happens four times in this movie I think it happens once in the book okay <laughs> all right. it is it is literally like because there's a lot of like going around and them doing like research and shit in the book so it's a lot of just like ah yeah like Hagrid will just fucking let him
0: know. Bit of a time jump here it's now Christmas and all of the students are heading home including Hermione except Ron and Harry they're stuck on campus and this is where Harry actually receives the cloak of invisibility Mm. this actually got me fascinated with green screens because I remember seeing a behind the scene feature of how this was made and it seemed really simple kind of as long as you were using green it was something that I think as a young film fan, I was able to kind of wrap my head around when it came to special effects because a lot of when you see those making ups, making ofs, you're still like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing on those computers. But yeah. green screen at least was like something I could I could latch on to be like, oh, I at least kind of understand how they did that effect, which excited me back in the day.
1: I was actually still kind of excited to watch it on this one because. It is like so simple and it's one of the best effects in the movie.
0: It is a great effect, yeah. It holds it's up. like
1: the easy it's like the easiest thing they do in this movie, and it's still very cool. So
0: he uses the cloak, they search the restricted section of the library to find some information on this Nicholas flamel. And the books start fucking screaming. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, the CGI mummy sand face mm-hmm. book page. I like that. Yep. And there's a whole bit with a mirror uh, looking into it and seeing what you most desire or what makes you happiest. He sees his parents. Ron sees himself with a big dick and holding the Quidditch cup. This is also
1: drawn out, but again, it's one of those things that I mentioned before where like you can't cut it from the movie because it comes into play later. I guess they just need to speed by a lot of this stuff because this movie's already pushing two and a half hours, but... The
0: kids find out that Fluffy, through their research, is guarding the Sorcerer's Stone, which is an object that has the power to turn any metal into gold as well as produce a potion that grants immortality. Huh. Malfoy, being the classic <laughs> 90s bully, he is uh, tells on the gang, you know, and I love his shit-eating grin he has here. What a bully.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's a great bully. He fucking blows them in for being out of bed. What a
0: dick but he also gets detention because he uh was out of bed as well so it's a classic breakfast club situation here yeah
1: they also okay i have to talk about this so they're handed detention and they also lose house points for like the end of the year competition they lose a combined 150 fucking points and then they're sentenced to detention in like The like mutually agreed upon most dangerous place on the grounds. They're like, Yeah, you get to spend the night in the forest. What kind of fucking school is this?
0: I can't imagine insurance premiums on this place. Like, what they're paying.
1: All they were doing was the kids were out of bed. Like, it was past their bedtime, and they fucking try and kill them immediately.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they were talking to a faculty member, like, (laughs) after hours.
1: Yeah, and they and they're like, "Well, I can't believe you would fucking do this!" Like they just like killed, like they killed somebody. <laughs> they're like, "No, ne- never in all my years have I ever seen this!" Like Jesus, they so, were out of bed. So they're forced to accompany Hagrid
0: into the dark forest. I guess they're looking for a wounded unicorn. Turns out. Voldemort is drinking its blood, and dude, I completely forgot entirely about this scene and what it looked like and how it like reference like how it looks nothing like the Voldemort that will come later on. It's like a floating black like rag across the yeah, floor. dude. I loved it. It
1: was so funny. It's the coolest part of this movie, right? Dude, well, listen, like one of the coolest parts of this. movie? I was gonna movie?
0: say, I love. He like looks up and like the unicorns, you know, got silver blood. It's like running down his face, and I love the way he glides over because it's classic, like almost yeah. Poltergeist Spielberg type work. But, but then it leads into my in my opinion, the worst looking CGI effect of the movie, which
1: is this fucking oh, centaur yeah, this that I fuck, completely forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> Holy it's shit. bad. It's bad. I yeah, it's it sucks because like if you've seen all these movies it's a glimpse into the future of like what you can start expecting from this franchise which is like dark scary and just like off-putting and then just like immediately you're slapped with just kidding you're still watching the first movie
0: other than that the the look of this thing because god man that is some bad cgi but he winds up you know saving him at the last minute hagrid comes in and I guess Harry, Ron, and Hermione decide that they're going to steal the zone to ensure its safety because Dumbledore is no longer at Hogwarts. He's called away last minute, and he who has, shall not be named, which, by the way, he's actually said out loud now is Voldemort. Like, they know him. It's Voldemort, the person who killed Harry's parents. Uh, he's nearby the campus, obviously, to drink sucking down unicorn blood because I guess it gives him some, some life juice, right? Keeps him young or keeps him alive anyway until he can get... The Sorcerer Stone. Yeah,
1: apparently it just like keeps you alive, like even though it's supposed to give you like a shitty life. So
0: then we head into like a six-part climax here because this is basically the the finale, the, the tests that they need to complete in order to you know complete their challenge. Yeah, I, and is this how it is in the book? Like a series of because the first they have, they have to make it past the fluffy, the three-headed dog, which mm-hmm. is super easy.
1: It is just like this in the book. There's actually like a little bit more to it and like a little bit different stuff too. So I'll just walk it through it. I guess the first one is you have to get past the dog and you have to play music to put her to sleep and slip, by it which they do like with zero problem in the book like they just like but he's given like a wooden flute for christmas and he just plays it to sleep and like they just sneak past the dog they don't even wake it up
0: because here in the movie yeah there's a there's a harp that's already playing music because someone whom they believe to be snape originally has already made it past the dog and has a curse or a, a spell on the harp anyway
1: so they get through the trap door they fall into a plant called devil's snare which is like supposed to choke them to death Unless you just, like, relax. It's supposed to be, like, quicksand, I guess. Yep. And, again, a difference in this one is that Ron is, like, struggling to survive because he can't calm down because he's a puss. <laughs> <laughs> and Hermione, Hermione's like, oh, it hates sunlight and does a fucking badass spell to kill it or something it doesn't even happen like that i guess she just like sets it on fire in the book
0: well yeah so in the movie they all wind up getting through ron has some trouble but they fall down and into this like tower where they are surrounded by a bunch of winged sentient keys Mm -hmm. one of which they need to open the door to get to the next stage and uh, he has to ride around in his broom. He catches one, the one with the broken wing, and they're off to the next chapter, which is my favorite, and I think remains my favorite scene in this whole movie.
1: Uh, the chess, the sequence. chess sequence. It is pretty cool. It's cool in the book. It's cool here. Um, I this was probably the coolest like practical effects the camera work i thought was a little strange in it sometimes it was a lot of like zoom in and and fade out and zoom in and fade out but it is very cool to watch these things like kind of move across the board and just fucking destroy each other
0: yeah these giant chess pieces which by the way if you're playing wizard chess do the pieces like like go back together do they repair themselves or do you have to constantly buy new chess pieces every time you play this fucking game
1: i would assume they they repair themselves or like they, they have to like because they can just fix shit whenever they want like it's not a problem for them i guess well they
0: can't fix his eyesight i guess he's still wearing glasses it's well
1: it. well we do have to kind of get it across that harry potter let's face it he's a fucking nerd and he deserves to be bashed
0: <laughs> come on all right well i love this scene this the, the music in this did it awesome yeah pretty intense as ron's getting like fucking demolished by this knight
1: yeah oh this is the best part when like it's funnier in the books because like they just like straight up hit him in the head with a fucking marble sword (laughs) They just like knock his ass out. Um, In this one, he just kind of like falls. So I was wondering why can't he just jump off the knight's piece? I don't know.
0: I guess he was, he had to go down because he sacrifices himself essentially so Harry can get to the, can check the king.
1: Although I don't know if you saw this. There is a shot where Rupert Grint, who plays Ron, falls to the ground and like a stray piece of rock hits him in the forehead and like immediately there's a cut on his face what was that was that cgi you think or was that like just rupert grint getting no i think that was probably some prop rock
0: yeah hitting hitting his face or it could have been real and he he immediately cut and he just started screaming like a bitch
1: i like i saw that and i was like oh my god did they just like bash this child actor in the face with some rock that's badass this movie's (laughs) badass dude. (laughs) but ron is still alive
0: hermione stays behind so that harry can move on Um, and he makes his way to the final chamber there and finds not Snape, but Quarrel. Turns out Quarrel let the troll in. He also cursed Harry's broomstick while playing Quidditch. Snape was actually trying to protect him.
1: How could we have possibly, like, known this was coming?
0: (laughs) Yeah, what a Shyamalan twist, man. I did not see this coming the first time I saw it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, there's no real hints or clues to to let... This guy seems like a nothing character, and it, it seems like one of those cheap... Early two thousands twists that they were throwing about quite often, but again, I'm assuming this is in the book, so they probably just chose to maybe include less of him in the movie to make the twist seem more
1: surprising at the end. Well, that's the thing; there is less of him in the movie for sure, but there's not that much of him in the book either. Mm. All right, well, so you so it's aim, I just think. kind <laughs> yeah. of like well, exactly, and to me, this is where I start to take a little umbrage with JK Rowling, and which is why every Harry Potter fan ever has been really mad at me for the last like. 18 years because I think this is lazy writing to me. Quarrel has Voldemort
0: uh, on the back of his head there, right? Voldemort's face. I'm not sure how this works.
1: Apparently his like disembodied spirit ha- like has latched on to Quarrel or something like that, so he just like kind of commands him around. So he's got no hair. Voldemort's weird
0: CGI gummy face is on the other side of that thing.
1: And uh, Quarrel and Voldemort are looking into the mirror and they're like, like, we don't know how to get to the Sorcerer's Stone. We can see us grabbing it, but we don't know how to get it. That's when they make Harry look into the mirror, and Harry's reflection puts the stone in his pocket? Question mark?
0: Yeah, we find out later on that apparently only someone looking for it who doesn't intend to use it can find it. Uh, All right. (laughs) Convenient plot hole. (laughs) Oh, speaking of convenient plot point, then all he has to do really is touch... Quarrel and he turns into fucking dust he avengers infinity wars away like i i guess we we come to find out the next day after he's awoken because voldemort's spirit you know comes out mummy style through harry like through his chest i thought he was going to possess him the first time i saw this which i thought would have been cool would have been
1: a better movie better movie Uh, yeah
0: instead flies out of the dungeon harry wakes up the next day dumbledore comes in and he tells him basically he was able to scorch coral's skin because when (laughs) <laughs> when, you, when someone sacrifices themselves for you uh for noble purposes or whatever uh, I guess love in your skin
1: it's the ultimate magic
0: <laughs> yeah this is some Chris Nolan interstellar shit right here
1: yeah it and like this only gets more complicated as the series goes along apparently this only works until you turn 18 or some <laughs> stupid shit like this like it is just fucking like what are we talking about like she is making this up as she goes along you could just fucking tell well it's written on napkins dude so after this was probably all mixed up yeah <laughs> that's like true her a <laughs> no it's true she's she's writing this on a napkin in a coffee shop she's probably been drinking who knows what's going on it's 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 all so convenient and it's just at this point in this movie like even if you've enjoyed it you're like okay we're two hours and 70 billion minutes into this movie let's just fucking end it i don't care how he did it <laughs> for three 36 page masters yeah it's it's oh yeah it's like fucking <laughs> 40 billion page masters long <laughs> i'm just sick of it um uh,
0: but it turns out ron and hermione are good and it's also i guess just the end of the school year all of this has happened i guess in eight months or however long a semester or two semester whatever it is
1: yeah apparently this whole thing happened like the day after exams or the the last day of exams convenient again i never see him do a single test by no they basically like honestly and this is the thing about every harry potter movie i'm way more interested in like the culture and world building of this like i would sit through two hours of them just going to class like, give give me, give me that movie. <laughs> then we get a real, you know, Moonlight Lala La Oscar win here where the awarding of the House
0: Cup where <laughs> they go through all of the points, Gryffindor clearly in last place for all of the bullshit Harry, Ron, Hermione have caused them, and Slytherin wins.
1: Yeah, they were out of fucking bed, yeah, dude. And, you can't just fucking be walking around out of bed.
0: So all of the House Colors turn to Slytherin and everyone's cheering and then Dumbledore last minute's just like, oh wait, hang on a second, I've got some points to award, award's everyone in like the four characters who were involved including neville for whatever reason just to push him over the top gives them the amount of points they need to
1: win and everyone's just cool with it gryffindor wins yeah steve harvey gives the points to miss philippines and (laughs) (laughs) gryffindor wins and like you care so much about this when you're young you couldn't give less of a fuck now right (laughs) like when you're <laughs> Well, it's meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, when you're a kid, you're like, God, I hope they beat Slytherin in the house cup but, but like <laughs> As, like, as an adult, you're like, what? who gives a shit? This means nothing to you. Like, you're not gonna grow up and, like, tell your kids, like, I remember when we won the House Cup, and y- your kids won't give a shit either. <laughs> like, no one cares! Dude, I-, I can't imagine though being a Slytherin player and being like, I want
0: an explanation. There's such vague reasons for why they're being awarded these points. I'd be like, wait, hang on a second. What the fuck? We just, can you tell us why we're losing?
1: Yeah, at one point he's like, Ron Weasley played the best game of chess ever at Hogwarts like what <laughs> he got 50 points for that that's horsecock. cock yeah fuck Yo, Dumbledore
0: oh boy but
1: <laughs> Harry winds
0: up saying goodbye to Hagrid and all his friends and heads back to his abusive family for what i assume is at least another four months, right? Like the full summer? Yeah,
1: three or four months. He's got to go fucking live with these abusive fucking relatives. It's going to be hilarious.
0: Gets to go chill back underneath the old staircase there as Hagrid walks off about to fist pump the air like breakfast club. It's real breakfast club like post.
1: Yeah, he does tell Harry, he's like, you know, you're relatives don't know that you can't do magic, so maybe just fucking menace them for an entire summer. (laughs) Exactly. They know your powers, just threaten the shit out of them.
0: Yeah, it'll be hilarious, dude. And that's (laughs) it, man. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. What'd you think?
1: Wow, the Philosopher's Stone. That was great. No, this is America. We have to really kind of step back and look at this movie for what it is because i think it's really tough to look at this as a series and know that the movies get better the story gets better the plot gets more intricate and people love this franchise to their core people love this franchise and so i think we just have to like step back look at this movie as objectively as we can and hold it to its own standard and that being said i don't think it's Amazing. I don't think it's bad by any means, but I I think eighty is like far too high for this movie because there's a lot of dialogue problems. The story is what it is. It's based off a book, and they try and jam so much of it into this that it just kind of like somehow moves at a dizzyingly fast pace, but at the same time manages to be a far too long of a movie. You know, it it suffers from a lot of early two thousand effects. Um, you know, even like some of the things coming out of the wands, it feels a little hallmarky and like made for TV in a lot of spots. That being said, there's a lot of pluses going into this movie, namely being the art direction, the sets, the, the music, there's a lot going for it. And it's a promising first start in this franchise. That being said, I wouldn't, Put it as like one of the top movies ever. I think you have to show it to your kids, right? Like you can't not show Harry Potter to your kids. Um, So I would recommend it for any family. If you're a big Harry Potter fan, go ahead and watch it. Um, If you if you couldn't care less about Harry Potter, I find another outlet for it, I guess, because this won't really do much for you. I'm going to give it a 60. I don't think it deserves an 80. It wasn't terrible, but I don't think I have the need to go back and watch it again.
0: All right, man. As, uh, I guess as someone who what who's not necessarily a huge fan, I'm the, the most casual fan of this entire series, I do remember the third one is my favorite. I did watch that one a bunch.
1: That's because the third one is the best one.
0: I, I would say so. Uh, the first one here, though, just judging it based on an introduction to this world, this, you know, the mythology, I got to say I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. I know that the later iterations get a bit darker, more mature, and they kind of fell in line with, I think, where a lot of entertainment in the mid to late 2000s, were going a la Dark Knight where they were trying to really young adult yeah make things a lot more serious and while I appreciate that it's kind of nice to see that this one is super just innocent and wondrous, and obsessed with the world and the mythology like a kid would be. It, it reminded me a lot of like like eighties Spielberg and Zemeckis. It kind of captured just the whimsy of being a kid and the wondrous world that this establishes. I got I gotta say it impressed me more than I anticipated, based on its art direction and its cinematography. I love the color difference between like the real world's everything kind of stale and ugly, and then the you know the magical world, all these deep lush reds. and right. everything's very vivid. I I gotta say that I was. Impressed again by the actors just being able to carry the whole movie as children. You know they're not the best; they definitely grow up to be better. Um, but I like a lot of the side characters. Alan Rickman's a huge standout. I'll I'll give this like a seventy-five. I gotta say that it's definitely worth the nostalgia of if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and revisit it. It's definitely worth showing to your kids to introduce them to this world because I think you know, for younger generations, this is going to be a more, maybe not a more accessible Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but similar to how that film was so ingrained in the culture back when it was first released, I think this movie is is the Wizard of Oz of of its generation. It's just one of those movies that is, and like Lord of the Rings, I guess around the same time, which is more mature in content, but it's just really captured the public's imagination in a fun fantasy world. And I can see why this was so successful.
1: I think if we... Look back on this franchise if we allow it to die. Because I don't know how many of these Fantastic Beast movies they have planned, but I think if we look back on this movie when we're much, much older, I think this is going to be about the closest thing our generation came to producing a Star Wars for other people. Like people are just going to remember Harry Potter for being something that culturally kind of took us by storm it's timeless yeah it's timeless um and i think people in generations beyond are going to look back and enjoy it much like we kind of do you know star wars or something like that it's it's fantasy it's enjoyable um i this one i think is definitely probably the roughest of the eight films um and whether or not okay that's because of when it was made i i I don't like Christopher Columbus that much as a director. I think there's a lot of shots in this movie and a lot of scenes where I'm like, Hey, it was an interesting choice or I don't think it's paced. Well, um, I think once it gets taken over by a new director and they get a different direction in these films and the story starts to get a little bit more developed and, and even mature or just like sort of, more comprehensible, I think it becomes a far better franchise.
0: That's one of the big franchises that we've uh, at least been able to touch on. I'm glad we got it out of the way because we're trying to do a few more of these popular franchises that we remembered either really liking or at least really popular among listeners you know 90s fans early 2000s film fans so glad we got out of the way and we're doing another one next week but but before we get to that Zach anything you want to recommend or not recommend
1: yeah I got two things to recommend this week well one of them's kind of a soft half recommend Uh, I watched Triple Frontier on Netflix which is that new Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac movie
0: yeah yeah any good
1: it's all right it's you know if you've got if you're hungover uh, it's it's a lot slower than I anticipated. It the the trailer makes it seem like it is just like a fucking like almost like an eighties B action movie with like Schwarzenegger in it. You know, it's kind of sure. it, like looks looks like it's gonna be like Rambo or Predator, but it's 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 a lot slower. Uh, than I anticipated. Ben Affleck plays like a grizzled real estate agent or something like that. Um, and I'm not making that up. <laughs> it's okay. I, a soft recommend if you've got like a you know, an hour and a half to kill and you're bored and you just want to watch something to kind of like tune your mind out for a little bit. I'll give it that. Um, And then I also finally got around and watched the new, I'm not going to say season, I guess, new episodes of Arrested Development. Oh, okay. One of my favorite shows of all time, at least for the first couple of seasons. Um, They finally closed out season five and I don't want to give anything away, Um, I think it's, it's way better than the first half of season five, which came out last year. I think you have to give it a couple of episodes, but I think it's way funnier. It kind of goes back a little bit closer to what the show used to be. Um, and then, you, you know, do you make, make your own sort of conclusions at the end of it as to what this whole series has become since it came to netflix but i i think it's worth watching especially if you're a fan of the old show and if you haven't watched it start watching season one two and three immediately
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely those first three seasons are some of the best TV comedy out there best comedies I think I've ever seen on television nice dude well I will um kind of soft recommend on captive state that was one I checked out in theaters it's an okay sci-fi action thriller I wish I could see a lot more of it it was really like darkly lit and like the effect I love the creature design but just couldn't see enough of it so it's got some good ideas but kind of lazy in its execution but I will say two movies I highly recommend three identical strangers it's a documentary on Hulu uh, wild story. Just uh, go into it without knowing much, and you'll have, you'll be blown away. It truly is like a spectacular uh, human interest story. Cool. And then the other one I saw Jordan Peele's Us, Ooh. and I uh, really liked it. Liked it a lot. I will say it's a different type of film than Get Out. Don't go in expecting the, you know, the racial social commentary as heavy. But I will say. Uh, it doesn't answer as many questions as it brings up, so if that's something that's a little frustrating to you, you might not like where it goes, I suppose. Um, it's not necessarily you know one big twist or something that reframes the movie. It's more just it goes in directions I don't think anyone can kind of predict and you might not be happy with where it goes but i i just found it really ambitious and fun and and also really funny so uh check that out if you're a fan of jordan peele
1: uh really quick without spoiling or saying anything uh how's tim heidecker in it
0: oh my god dude phenomenal loved him in it really ah so excited i can't wait to go watch
1: that movie Very cool. All
0: right, man. Well, next week, we are tackling uh, a a, a genre that is now saturated the market, but back in the early days of 2002, there were very few of them. (sighs) We're talking uh, superhero flicks. We're talking 2002s. Spider-Man.
1: Spider-Man. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I haven't seen this in a good five, ten years, man. I'm excited to check out the first one. You know, I'm excited about it because I feel like it has a lot of critical acclaim, and I'm not going to disagree with that. I remember truly loving this film. Um, But I'm curious to see, just from the, the prospects of our podcast, how it holds up in terms of, you know what superhero movies are now to, like, what they first were back when these started coming out. Plus, we've got a lot of Tobey Maguire talk. Oh,
0: we've got so much to talk about. His weird screams, James Franco, and Willem Dafoe's battle to find out who has the most elastic face. I'm excited. Who's... (laughs) Spider-Man. Well, tune in next week for our review of that. You can also check out all of our reviews on nbd.podbean.com. And uh, shoot us a message if there's anything you'd like us to um, review. Shoot us a request at pod at gmail.com.
1: You can also check us out on iTunes. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. I can't remember if you just said that. I never pay attention to what we're talking about. I didn't say that, so
0: good call, because we're on there as well as Twitter. So if you want to shoot us a message, please do so we might read it
1: and don't forget to tell your friends hey look at us look at us hey tell your friends please
0: for the love of god
1: we can't take it anymore are we talking to anybody hello i don't think yeah no no
0: one's listening we honestly we might as well just end it do you think we should end you
1: know what i think that's it for nostalgia be Damned. thanks for fucking listening <laughs> every episode bye All right, peace